afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Yesterday marked the first 30 days since the Dobbs decision was handed down. And in the days immediately following the ruling, uh, pro-life leaders, oh, 40 or so of them, gathered in a massive webinar, begin planning and laying out the next steps. And uh, join me right now to talk about the aftermath of the webinar and another uh, conference that's coming up is David B. Wright. David's pro, a pro-life strategist who was the founder and former CEO of 40 Days for Life. And he's also also author of 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do. And uh, David, good to have you back here. Thanks. Great to be back with you. Talk to me about the Law of Life Summit coming up July 27th to 28th. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm started my friend Royce Hood, a pro-life attorney, had this vision of an event, a pro-life event in with the Catholic Marketing Network conference that's happening in Schaumburg, Illinois, and worked with Kathy Gilmore and others at the CMN and ended up putting together a two-day pro-life summit that happens this Wednesday. We're just outside of Chicago here Airport in the Chicagoland area, and they have organized 30 different pro-life leaders and organizations coming to for this from Jason Jones and Catherine Hadro used to host EWTN Pro-Life News Weekly, Warren Musica from Sidewalk Advocates for Life, uh, Tom Brecca, the head of the Thomas More Society, Pat McCaskey, the Chicago Bears, and so many other leaders and speakers. And the intent of this event is to look at where are we now in this post-Roe America, and where do we go from here? What's the future of the pro-life movement? So there's going to be planning, strategy, inspiration, entertainment, and a lot of time of fellowship. So, yeah, they have a website set up at lawlife.org, and I'm excited to be going to it, and I can't wait to see so many other people. Give us, uh, give us that address one more time. Yeah, it's lawlife.org, so okay. L-A-W-L-I-F-E dot org. And you can learn all about speakers and the agenda for the event, and you can register to come join us. Yeah. Well, it's been 30 days since Dobbs has been handed down, David. Uh, As you look over the landscape, how are pro-life forces shaping up? Yeah. In most ways, it's been very, very good. You know, you mentioned in the intro the uh, big webinar, the Life Beyond Row event that we had. And that was just a few days after the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. And we had 43 leaders come together, 57 partner organizations. That event was done in conjunction with Pro-Life Partners Foundation, an ally of Ave Maria Radio. You guys were awesome at helping to spread the word. But Thank you. after the 3,500 people unified for that event, we had a moment to celebrate and say, thank you, God, and thanks for all those who put in so much effort to get us to this point. But then it's time to roll up our sleeves and say, where do we go from right. here? So in reflecting about what has happened and what is happening in this now one month since the Dobbs decision, the first thing we need to understand is what hasn't happened. I know there's been a lot of the sky is falling type noise in the media and in social media. Abortion (laughs) has not ended. No. The ban on abortion. The Supreme Court recognized the error of its past decision and then simply handed back the decision about abortion to the American people through our elected officials in the states and in Congress. So what is happening is we now see 50 different fronts in effort, so a 50-state battleground. You've got some states like Texas and Mississippi and Florida that have laws that are now protecting life much more than was the case when Roe was the law of the land. So you see abortion centers closing their doors, thanks be to God. You see lives being saved. 
But then you have the other extreme where you've got states like California, Massachusetts, New Mexico, and things there are actually now worse than they were before. However, the people there recognize at least we have more ability to influence change moving forward. So you've got attempts to codify abortion in state constitutions. You've got governors like in Massachusetts and California calling for their states to use taxpayer dollars to lure people from other states to have abortions and for them to become an abortion destination. It's it's sickening what's happening. And you also have, I was just in New Mexico, and New Mexico, right across the border from Texas, prior to the Dobbs decision, had five abortion providers. They have jumped to 16 abortion businesses in just this one month because of the lax laws in New Mexico. And then the last kind of category I see is states like Michigan, where everything is at play. You had protective laws, but a judge is blocking the implementation of those laws, and now you've got the abortion industry rallying people to try to put a codification in the amendment on the ballot this fall. So those are a few of the fronts, and the pregnancy centers are at risk, but I see pro-lifers more mobilized, more hope-filled, more united than I've ever seen before, right at this moment. Yeah, I agree. That's the way it looks to me, too. And I think it's a matter for us to maintain uh, this enthusiasm. This is going to be a long haul, and I think that's what uh, we're going to have to always keep before people. Uh, We've got these battles now in 50 states, and uh, this, this is going to be the work of a lifetime. So. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and for each of us to find our place in yes, that Yes, we can't because, all do everything. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, my wife, for example, works for a maternity ministry. We live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And so the way she is helping out is she mentors moms and helps them to understand how to raise their babies that they're bearing. Yeah. And many of these moms come from broken families and addiction, abuse, and they've had a mother figure. And my wife, who raised our two children, they're now grown adults. Our daughter's a Nashville Dominican sister. Our son's in college. I've said, how can I use my motherly gifts? And she's using them to mentor women. That's her gifting. But each of us can find places in this new landscape to make a difference. And some of the newest innovations are the ones that are going to really carry us forward in these 50 different states battlegrounds that we've got right now. What do you think are kind of the newest fronts uh, on the pro-life front? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think a few. So certainly there's going to be organizing at the state level like we've never seen before, mm-hmm. because now we've got the ability to do things. So groups working instead of in isolation, you know, an individual pregnancy center, its thing, they now are forming networks right. and aligning with one another to say, how do we strategize seeing the advocacy? seeing the legislative groups, the political groups, all begin to coordinate their efforts because they need to. Some of these challenges are bigger than any single group or any single person. Another innovation that I'm seeing right now is the number of young people who are trying new ideas, new projects. Uh, One of those that really inspires me is some young people who are running an organization called Reprotection, where they actually go in and document all the times when abortion providers are violating good pro-life laws that are but they're not being enforced. Right. And then they trigger the enforcement mechanisms and they're getting abortion facilities shut down. So it's going to be more local. It's going to be more in the states. But that's why it's more important than ever that we find our place. And yeah. then the last thing is the standing with mothers now more than ever, being there for their children now more than ever because they're scared. The misinformation in the media, the pregnancy centers being vilified by Senator Elizabeth Warren and others, right right now, women who are facing an unexpected pregnancy are terrified. And we as the church, we as people of faith and conscience need to come alongside these mothers and walk 
them in the messiness of their real life and help their children even after they're born more than we've done before. Amen. David, thank you so much. Tell people again about July 27th and 28th before you go. Yeah, Law of Life Summit. Go to life.org. There's going to be 30 organizations and speakers represented. If you're anywhere within a few hour drive of the Chicagoland area, the event's being held in Schaumburg, Illinois. And I'm going to have a lot of other pro-life leaders and speak lawlife.org. Great place to go. If you can't make it to that, go watch the replay of the webcast that Al was so instrumental in helping to promote, lifebro.com. And you can hear from 43 speakers, 57 organizations. There's a lot of ways you can find your place, get involved or get more involved, and let's save more lives than ever before. David, thanks so much. Great talking with you again. You as well, Al. God bless. Again, David B. Wright has been incredibly fruitful uh, activist and continues this, his work of uh, strategizing. He's a, he's a big picture guy, but he also has a great attention to detail. That's a feature that not all these big picture guys have, uh, but David does have that attention to detail as well. Again, Law of Life Summit coming up uh, July 27th to 28th. Uh, that's going to be in Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, you know, if you can't get there, then, as, as David said, take a look at the, the work that they're doing. You can uh, uh, be able to see uh, presentations uh, online. And then um, we have, of course, the webinar that we uh, were one of the hosts for uh, just a few days after the Dobbs decision. And we have that available at AveMariaRadio.net. Uh, just look in the uh, what we call a slider, the upper left-hand corner of the website where you can, you know, link uh, to that. But these are, I mean, look, this is, I think for a lot of us, we're kind of, <laughs> we we got accustomed to, uh, to Roe v. Wade and uh, KCB Planned Parenthood being the law of the land, you know? And so uh, all of a sudden, there's new challenges uh, to our time. Uh, and in the course of, you know, from 1973 to today, you know, almost 50 years, uh, we've raised families. We have grandkids. Um, you know, Roe v. Wade uh, became the law of the land when I was just a, still a single guy and uh, had, wasn't even, didn't even have a, a love of my life yet. Uh, Sally came to about four, uh, about three years later, uh, so it's a lot has changed, and so I know with myself. I guess that's why I'm saying this. With myself, I now have to re- regroove a bit and figure out, carve out from the time that I have, which I have less discretionary time than I've ever had. I've still got to make some way to stand uh, firm. During this time, I, I, I mentioned St. Paul writing to the Corinthians in the 16th chapter. Uh, it's right at the end. It's one of his closing exhortations. In a way, that's kind of his signature. He almost always closes with exhortations. So basically saying, everything I've just told you theologically, all this about the grand work of God, it comes down to this. Be on guard. Be strong. Be courageous. In this passage, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he actually says, be like a man. In other words, be strong. That's an expression we don't use much anymore because uh, we've kind of been intimidated by, you know, this idea of toxic masculinity, which has been an extraordinary distortion. And yet, we should really think back 
on what may be inevitable simply because of the way men are men and the way women are women. There are reasons cultures develop certain approaches to maleness and femaleness. And I would argue those are grounded in something that's essentially masculine and something that's essentially feminine. It's not a mere social or cultural construct. So, as St. Paul says, be strong, be on guard, stand firm, act like a man.